Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Let's get on with the show. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really, really good. I'm really excited about today's show uh, because there is, well, one of the topics we're going to discuss right at the top is OTAs. There is so much bluster and, oh, this is the end of the world or we're going to Super Bowl because based on what people are hearing about OTAs. Please set us straight on OTAs. I'm not going to say they're meaningless, Mm-hmm. But they're about this much above meaningless. I mean, you know what? I mean, OTAs have been around since around two, year 2000. And there used to be 15 practices. Now there's less than that. Plus you have your mini camp. And the whole purpose is to get your, your team in condition where it under controlled circumstances and mm-hmm get them ready for training camp. And what really helps is your, your new acquisitions, free agents that you signed and your young players that you drafted because they're getting a period where they are learning the terminology, learning the playbook, learning what's expected of them as pros. But the actual evaluation of what they do it really doesn't mean shit mm-hmm. because it's not real football. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've sat in these things for for years, watched the practices, and do you ever bring up an OTA session once training camp starts? No, you don't even bring up OTAs. Okay, so it, it's more install. You want to hit when you, when you get to camp. You want to hit the the ground running. And mm-hmm. so you've installed a lot of your offense and a lot of your defense. Right. And so from that standpoint, there's some beneficial uh, things to it. But, you know, the, I mean, I'm seeing guys making 53-man roster projections off of OTAs. Give me a freaking break. They haven't played football yet, and they're not going to play football, you know, the hitting portion of football until around the 28th or 29th of, of July. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're going to get into the preseason game. It's a long, long way to go. And, and there's going to be guys that um, did nothing in OTAs that are going to jump out in training camp because they got a competitive nature to them and a physicality to them that the coaches will take notice of. I mean, you know, theoretically, you're not allowed to lay your finger on a, on an opponent or the other side of the ball in OTAs, and, and the league office and the NFLPA gets copies of the tape, and they come crying at you. You just saw, what was it, last year they lost one day of OTAs because got a little heavy, you know, with the hand use, and, and it happens. One team this year, I think, lost two. 
you know, so it's very, very mild. And I, I, I can't stress enough. It's not real football. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they're working on so many things too, as in, in for preparation for camp, you know, right. so I'll give you one example of what Justin Fields said is, you know, they've been throwing the ball deep a lot just to get cer- certain timing so he can see leverage of the wide receivers with DJ Moore, you know, and, and getting used to that. So, None of this is real football. It's all preparation for the big preparation, uh, so to speak. Isn't that true? Yeah, and and there there might be something the coaches might want to try some things out in OTAs to see what it looks like, you know, with 11 guys running around on the field or a seven-on-seven, you know, maybe a different play concept or whatever. So part of it's experimentation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God, some fans and some people in the media treat it like they're preparing for a playoff game. <laughs> that's it's right. That big a deal. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, except for the final mini camp, it's all voluntary. Yeah. They don't show up. They don't have to. All right. So uh, if anyone's got questions on OTAs, uh, please uh, f- uh, put them in the chat room and we'll get to them. And if you've got, we're going to talk about DBs in just a moment. If you've got questions about DBs, we'll try to get to them during the flow of the show. And if you've got questions outside of that, we'll save those towards the end of the show. I wanted to ask you, before we start talking about DBs, uh, former Chicago Bears head coach Dave Wonstadt was on Colin Coward's uh, podcast. And Wonstadt said that this is a huge year for Justin Fields to show progression in the pass game, that Ryan Poles now holds two first-round draft picks and he could use those to move up and and select the quarterback of the future if Fields doesn't make the type of of progress that is expected of him. Is that a fair comment? I don't know if it's necessarily a fair comment. You're you're going to see that comment being made as it was. Uh, Fields is going to be a pretty good player, okay? But, yeah, I get the point. It's his second year in the offense, so last year was like a rookie do-over because it was a brand-new offense and entirely different from the terminology and the way the passing game goes from Matt Nagy's offense. So he had to learn that, and that was during the offseason. And then it took time during the season. Then they bring in uh, Chase Claypool, and, and that's another one of my pet peeves. All these people trying to say that Chase Claypool is a – as a boss and they gave up too much. They knew the day they made the trade that it wasn't going to be until this year that that trade showed what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, this offense is not an easy offense to learn. And it's especially hard on wide receivers because of all the different side adjustments. And it's the total opposite of what he was playing in Pittsburgh. And on top of that, he gets stinged up. Justin gets stinged up. So their time together was even less than you'd hope for. So now it's part of the offseason when he get into training camp. He has some soft uh, – Claypool has some soft tissue uh, situations during OTA, so they held him out. And in OTAs and in minicamp, you get a little hangnail. They're going to hold you out. They're going to 
err on the side of caution because they want you 100% at training camp. That's what counts, not the last month. And, and kudos again to Justin Fields because he essentially said that at the last press conference, a very mature answer when he was asked by a reporter, you know, how important is it for you to have all of your receivers here in camp so that you could establish a bond with them? And he said, I feel like Chase and I were already establishing a really good bond. He was here last year and we've worked in the first a couple of weeks of OTAs before he got injured. And it's a good approach to keep him out so that he's and ready they, and for they worked camp. before OTA started they worked on their own together right you know so right. hey you know people got to have a narrative I get it yeah writers got to have something to write talk show hosts got to have something to talk about but let's mm -hmm. talk about reality and let's write about reality let's not make things up <laughs> and, you know, as a writer, you're trying to find conflict, you know, because those are the most interesting stories. And so what you you a lot of uh, writers and reporters tend to just exaggerate things in order to create, you know, clicks and, and, and stuff. But that's the world. Well, you know, it's getting to a point you, you saw you'd see comments on Twitter mm -hmm. after. And, and don't forget, there's only one open practice a week during OTAs. Right. You know, right. so th they didn't see a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And you know, oh, Justin was eleven of fifteen today, but the three three of the four he missed were really bad throws. Who the <laughs> fuck cares? <laughs> Underline that. <laughs> that might be uh, my favorite Greg Gabriel comment uh, next to this one. He ain't gonna block a drunk whore off a bar stool. <laughs> 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 I knew that one was coming. <laughs> Sorry, I think I told you I'd never play that, but I I had to. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't. I should just say, knock a drunk off a of bar stool. Yeah, or a drunk harlot, or a drunk uh, whatever. It's it's hilarious, and this show is for adults. Uh, <laughs> Frank liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and Dylan says, uh, uh, Greg's vocabulary and little sayings are the absolute best. You're damn right about that. All right, let's start talking about defensive backs. Let's start with the profile of the cornerback position, Greg. Tell us what are the attributes that are necessary to play well to be a, a good match for this Eberflus Cover two, whatever you want to call it, defense. Yeah, but they don't play. Or they don't play anywhere near as much cover mm -hmm. two as it. You know that when the defense originated, mm -hmm. you know many, many, many years ago. Uh, but the first thing I want to say before we even get into that, sure. I think on the on the offensive side, the real competitive position in camp is going to be running backs. You know okay. who's who's going to be number one, who's going to be number two, etc. I think the cornerback position is going to be the most competitive in camp on the defensive side. Mm. And the safety is like, unless they sign, and I'll get to it in a minute, unless they sign one more veteran, I'm not so sure that the depth of safety is what they want. But then, you know, I'm looking from the outside in. They may yeah. feel better about a couple of these young guys than, than we do, but, you know, Point is, we haven't seen them. So mm -hmm. uh, we don't know that much about them, and they were late-round picks. But 
the corner position, you know, they had a profile, and I had gotten the original height profile from Ballard, who worked with Ibraflus for for four years in Indianapolis, and it was minimum height of five ten four, so five ten and a half, and he wants length. Well, it's interesting because they got, you know, the, the seven guys vying probably the best seven going into camp, and they'll keep five. Jalen Johnson's 5'11 and 7 ace, and 31 and 3 ace in charms. Tyreek Stevenson, 6003, so six foot three eighths of an inch, 198 pounds. 32 and 3 eighths inch arms. Mm. Kyler Gordon, 5'11, 5, 194, 31 inch arms. Terrell Smith, who they drafted in the fifth round this year, 6004, that's six foot a half inch, 204, 32 and 7 eighths inch arms. Josh Blackwell, a free agent who made the team, played in every game last year. Uh, 5'10", 6, so that's 5'10 and 3 quarters, 183, ran a 4'3", 4, 30 and 1 ace of charms. And then the other guy was Jalen Jones, who was actually an old rookie. He was a 25-year-old rookie from Ole Miss, 5'10", 6, another guy 5'10 and 3 quarters, 190, ran 4'4", 1, hit 31 and a half inch arms. They're all above that 5'10 and a half threshold, except one guy. Kendall Vildor. Now he's listed as 5'11 in in the program. He's 5097, 5'9 and 7 ace. The redeeming quality, number one, he was 441 in the in the 40, and he's got 32 and a quarter inch arms, Mm -hmm. which can make up for the lack of height. But he wasn't what what I'm saying is he he probably would not have been drafted by this group because he was 5097. He fell underneath the threshold at the position. Right. So, but I, I think, am I discounting Kendall Vildor for making this team? No, not at all. In fact, you know, a lot of people are. They think he, he he's going to be gone. I'll tell you what, you better, be, if you're going to beat him out, you better be damn good. He played his best year. You know, he did not play well in the defense that was here before. Mm-hmm. Okay, but last year I thought he played his best football. Missed the last four games, I think. Uh, he was more physical. He played the ball better. His man-to-man skills were better. Um, in fact, when he got hurt, there was a drop-off. So he's not going to turn the job right over to a younger guy. Right. But in saying that. I think, you know, when you look at that seven, and then there's a couple other guys. There's uh, Michael, I don't know how to say his last name, O.J. Mudia. O.J. Mudia, yeah. Yeah, and and Greg Stroman, who are both veterans. Mm-hmm. O.J. Mudia ha- has failed already a couple times. I'm not expecting a lot, but, you know, he's got to really jump out when camp starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, for people to take notice, and same with Strowman. And I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know that much about either, but um, they're going to be competing. But I think for the five jobs, mm-hmm. the you know it's going to be Jalen Johnson, 
Vildor, Stevenson, Gordon. And Gordon is your slot guy. So you wanted to go back into, into the profiles. You know, they wanted height. They wanted length. They want speed and athleticism. All these guys have that. Mm-hmm. But the the guy who plays the slot has got to be unique. He's got to be a tough SOB now because he's got – and th- there's going to be situations when he's on the field when he's not really being a nickel corner. He's like the third linebacker, and he's playing more in the box. So he's got to be able to take on blocks. He's got to be a tackler. He's got to play the run well. Um, all the corners, and you've heard Flo say this a number of times, you've got to tackle. You've got to support the run. And so, you know, if you're a weak tackler in this defense, that's your surest way out the door. You know, ticket to the bus stop or the train station. So, uh, you know, it's the the one thing we'll talk about Jalen Johnson for a second. The one thing that worries me about Jalen, I think his cover skills are excellent. He plays the ball well. He doesn't get interceptions. Is Why is it that he has I don't only know. one, only one interception in three years, yeah. and, and that's that's concerning to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one time I thought well, maybe he just has bad hands, but you watch him and he catches the ball pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, so I can't answer it, but he does get a a, a number of PDUs. Yep. Well, and it was interesting because last season at the beginning of the season, uh, he had, you know, he's rated among the top cornerbacks. Uh, but a lot of that had to do with, with the fact that opposing offenses were not throwing his way. They were picking on the rookie uh, on, on the other side of the field. And then in the middle of the season, once they started throwing Jalen Johnson's way, he got burned a couple of times. And so I'm, I'm a little concerned about where his progression is and that one interception well, is really one thing if you're a corner you're going to get beat <laughs> that is right okay it, <laughs> it's part it, of it, 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 you, it there's no perfect corner in the league mm-hmm. <laughs> that's you know, true who's the guy who started off with jacksonville and he went to the rams from florida state what the hell's his name I'm getting old i can't remember everybody's name uh you know, all world corner yeah uh oh darn uh uh, I know who, exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know what? Last year he got beat a lot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he yeah, sure he got, did. Not only did he get beat a lot, he got beat up. You know, uh-huh. and, and the best get beat. You could make one wrong move with your feet, and it's all over. I mean, you're going against really good receivers. Mm-hmm. And in Jalen's case, he's usually going against the number one receiver mm-hmm. on the uh, opponent's team. And there have been times where they've gotten into games where they've had him, you know, whether he's on the left side or the right side, he just stays with that guy. Yeah. And uh, because they, they didn't feel as comfortable with the other guys. And I think, you know, what helped last year is these young guys like Jalen Jones, Blackwell, Vildor, they got a lot of experience. And they, they it's not that any were great, but they did flash. They showed that they have talent. Now, you know, especially with uh, Jalen Jones and Blackwell, they're in their second year, so they should take a step. And uh, Which brings up, okay, well, what about you got two rookies? And one I think they stole, Terrell Smith. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I 
saw him for three days of practice out at the East West, by far the best corner on the field. I wasn't mm. even close. And then when you see, you know, the workout he had at the combine, he's over six feet tall. He's got real good long arms. He runs a four, four, one. I mean, everything was, was positive. And yet you still got him in the fifth round, mm -hmm. which to me is just amazing. And part of it, I think is that early in his career, he was an up and down player and he didn't play with the consistency that you want until the 2022 season. And so there might've been some people that were timid. And I, I'm, I'm, I admit, I'm throwing a dart at the wall on this one because mm -hmm. I can't figure out why he lasted until the fifth round. I thought at worst he'd be an early four and maybe a late three. Um, but a good football player, Stevenson, you know, I, I kind of banged when we were doing the oil, the early profiles on this guy. And the reason being was the one game, North Carolina, he got beat three times, three and times. it just kept sticking in my mind. You know, mm -hmm. But every other game you looked at, he was great. Now, what I don't know about that North Carolina game, and I've said this before, so I'm repeating myself, is that at least on the first touchdown, it seemed as if he was looking for over-the-top help, mm -hmm. and it didn't, mm -hmm. which meant that the safety blew it. Right, But you don't know, unless you talk to a coach and you understand the scheme and when, and when you don't make a school call and you're not talking to these people, you don't, you're guessing because yeah. you just don't know for sure. But that game concerned me, but he is very, very physical. He's an excellent uh, tackler. He's got a real strong jam. He can knock people, you know, off the route called rerouting, you know, just a, a solid, solid football player. You know, I think going into camp, you're hoping that he becomes the starter because these guys aren't afraid to play rookies. But at the same time, they're not going to hand it to him. Say, Tyreek, this is it's your job. He's got to beat these other guys out. But I think the overall depth of the corner position probably going to be the strongest it's been in years. Renewable uh, wants to know, do you think that Jalen maybe has plateaued as a player, or do you think that he could potentially still be ascending and getting better? No, you always get better, especially with experience, and he's only his fourth year in the league. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, don't forget he's playing in a new scheme mm -hmm. last year, and then he had some injury issues. He had like an – he talked about it on the radio. You know, he said, hey, I can't afford to miss practice. I can't afford to miss the game, and, and – so he was playing hurt, and that's going to cost him a little bit. But, uh, Indeed. you know, they're, they're never going to use that as an excuse and bring it up. He brought it up really after the fact, late, real late into the year. He goes, this is what's been going on. Yeah. And I don't remember I, what the injury was. Yeah, I don't either. I, I want to get back to Michael Ojemedia because I – looked at tape of him when he was coming uh, into the NFL uh, in that 2020 season. And I was really high on him. He was a third round draft pick for the Denver Broncos. And he had an excellent rookie season with the Broncos. He had 62 tackles, six passes defended. He had four fumbles. In fact, he, uh, I, I'm looking here at the website, the, uh, it was uh, uh, he became the first rookie in NFL history to record multiple games with two or more forced fumbles. And then 
In the following season, he missed the first 12 weeks of the season, was put on injured reserve. And then for the 2022 season, he had an elbow injury that kept him out of camp for almost the entire camp. And so he fell behind in the depth chart, and then he was released. I think there's still a possibility this kid can can salvage his career i'm not sure if he's the best fit for this bears defense but he is a ball hawk he uh he, he loves to be around the football if he can stay injury free i think he's somebody we should keep an eye on well you may well be right on that and you know a lot of times when a young guy gets cut like that you know you you obviously look at what he did as a pro but you go back to and you and and what was your report that you had on him when he was coming out of college. And this would be, you know, who it would matter with would be uh, Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poles too. Like, you know, I really like this guy, you know, and he's on, <laughs> let's, let's just take him. Yeah. What harm is it? He's, you know, we're, we're getting him for free off of waivers, whatever. Yeah. You know, so, so you do that and they saw enough from the little bit of time he spent here last year to say, yeah, we're going to bring him back and have him compete through the offseason and, and into training camp and see what he can do. But I think, you know, reality is none of us have the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, you, don't forget 2020 was a long time ago. And mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, so he, he's got a – and, yeah, injuries played a factor in 2021 and 2022, but is he capable of reverting back to what he was – three years ago. Mm, yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, Sam has a question. If Terrell Smith has a good training camp, would the Bears consider trading Jalen Johnson for a defensive end or a draft pick? Uh, I No, you never get enough corners. I mean, just watch. the These guys drafted a corner last year, and they drafted two corners this year. Mm-hmm. Um the only way I could see that happen is they were so far apart on an extension, mm-hmm. you know, similar to the Roquan situation last year that come trade deadline, you're going to try to move them and, and probably it would be for a, uh, not for a player, but for a, uh, a draft choice, uh, the defensive end, this is my thinking. It's going to come from who's ever on the street. There's not going to be a trade. I mean, could there? Yeah, but who? You know, and but there are some guys on the street. And there's, you know, on Jigba, uh, Jigba there's uh, um, Justin Houston. And, and speaking of Houston, because Swifty last week during the show was saying some good things about him. And, you know, I went back and I looked at film last year. He played for Baltimore, was really an outside linebacker. He played pretty darn good last year. He was 33 years old. That's the only thing that scares me. And, and you know, both Flus and Poles know him. Poles knows him from Kansas City. And he played for Flus for two years in Indianapolis. So, if they want him, he's there. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is make the phone call to the agent and put a deal together. Right. And last year, he didn't make a whole lot of money. So it's in it, even though he had like nine sacks or something last year, he's still not going to demand 
a lot of money or get a lot of money. You get a one-year deal, especially because of his age. You know, he's 34 this year. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, it, it'll be, I think, Yannick or, or this guy. Um, everybody keeps bringing up Chase Young. I don't see that happening at all unless and, – and could it happen at the trade deadline? Maybe then because they're going to say the other guy, the other defensive end – is uh, they like him better, and both of them are coming out of contract. They only can afford to pay one of them, mm-hmm. and so then they could make a deal at the trade deadline. The other thing, though, is is that what's his health coming off that injury, that serious injury, and you know he didn't even look like a shell of his rookie year when he came back and played the last couple games this past year then he doesn't take part in the off-season program shows up for mini camp only um some people said he looked good but yeah you look good running around in shorts it's not mm-hmm. getting hit and mm-hmm. and especially you know where where he got hurt you know he tore an acl and tore a patellar tendon that's some serious stuff if it's one it's not a big deal or as big a deal but when it's both in the mm-hmm. same knee now it becomes more important that he's got to be 100% healthy. And he may show during the season that he just can't do it anymore. You know, he could do it, but just not at the level that he was when he was a rookie. Mm-hmm. And so then his value goes way down. I mean, what are you going to give up for him? A sixth-round pick, a seventh-round pick at yeah. the trade deadline? Because he's coming out of contract, and, and uh, they just – you know, they want to get, they want to salvage something. So really, I think what, what I'm trying to say with him is that it's all going to depend on what he does on the field the first half of the season. And then everybody's got to make a decision. Washington's got to make a decision. And then if teams want to trade for him, they got to make a decision. Interesting. Okay. Um, I want to get back to Kendall Vildor. Does the fact that he was not drafted by this polls regime make him more susceptible to not making the team? So, for instance, if you're going to, you know, get to a point where you're making decisions on who's going to cut and Terrell Smith has a really good camp and you don't want to stash him in the practice squad because you're afraid you might use this young talent, then Vildor might be on the way out, right? Yep. No, I, it, it's entirely possible because you you want to theoretically always go with the guys you brought to the dance. Mm-hmm. And they didn't bring him to the dance. And like I said at the beginning, he doesn't hit the, the minimum height line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a little more than a half inch shorter than that. Now he yeah. does have the long arms and he can jump. He's got like a 39 or 40 inch vertical jump. Um yeah, that's going to play into it. It, it. Like I say, I think it's going to be a very competitive situation. And, you know, what we're going to see is is games, but a lot of it's going to be practice too. Right. You know, who who's showing the most consistency day after day after day in practice? And do the two rookies pick up the mental part of the game quickly? I don't think Terrell Smith's going anywhere. I mean, I, I, I think the guys who are competing with Terrell Smith are, are uh, Jalen Jones and, and Josh Blackwell. 
Mm-hmm. You know, not not Kendall Vildor. I think you know Terrell Smith is here. There's only they're only they'll only keep five. Could they keep six? Yeah, if they really like six out of that seven. Yeah, they're darn right they could. Um, generally speaking, you want to keep nine defensive backs, but they could very well keep ten. But I think there's only going to be four safeties. Well, let's talk about those safeties now. Uh, so what uh, you said at the beginning of the show, you were a bit concerned about the depth in that position. I have to agree with you. I said that actually in a, in a show earlier this week. I'm worried about the safety position, not because uh, I don't have confidence in Jaquan Brisker. I think he's going to be a star player in this league, but I'm worried about the fact that Eddie Jackson is 29, approaching 30 years old. He's uh, coming off an injury. And then the depth at that position, the, the backups are question marks. They're not, and there's nobody proven. So let's go player by player. Talk to me about Jaquan Brisker and how high are you? Well, on, let's do Eddie first. I, I'm not okay. I'm not as worried about Eddie as you are. Okay. Um, Eddie struggled for a couple of years. He, you know, he came out of the gate hot, one of the best <laughs> young safeties in the game, Indeed. and then struggled. And and then it was really after Fangio left, and they they changed the scheme a little bit, and uh, he just wasn't playing as good. But then last year. This scheme was more to his liking and played more to his strong suits. Uh, I think the biggest gripe with Eddie going into last year was he wasn't that physical. He wasn't known as a big hitter. Now, I, I remember talking during the 21 season, the second half of the 21 season, we meant brought up a few times where he was playing the game a lot more physical than he did in 21. Mm-hmm. Or rather, twenty. He, it's like he didn't show up as far as hitting in, in the twenty season. And last year, I thought he was the most physical of his of his entire career since he came into the league. Um, he's a perfect fit for this scheme because of his his ball skills, his ball reactions, his range. Plays a lot faster than he times. Uh, he's got great instincts, but then he pairs well. A lot of times, you know, part of it is who the other guy is and who compliments who. Now, he had uh, Amos before when he was playing good, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of guys, and then now he got Brisker last year, and I agree with you. I think Brisker's going to be a star, mm-hmm. like all-pro star. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think – He's got an unlimited ceiling. He's a big hitter. He can play the ball. Um, he's not afraid of contact. You know, this he he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. He's got a nasty demeanor about him on the football field. So I think with those two, you're really really solid. Yeah. Okay, last year, your third safety, and you didn't lose a lot when he came in the game, was DeAndre Houston Carter. Carson. Or Carson. And he's out on the street. Yeah. It would not surprise me at all that sometime between now and the start of camp, so five weeks from now, they resign him. And, you know, part of my thinking was, and I've been thinking about this one for weeks, and I think they wanted to go through the OTA period, especially with, you know, Hicks is almost like a rookie, gotten a few games last year. 
and then they drafted Kendall Williamson this year. They're both seventh round draft choices. When you look at their numbers, their numbers are good as far as height, weight, speed, that type of thing. Right. Um, Williamson was a pretty physical player at uh, Stanford. Oh, Stanford, you're right. Stanford. Yes. And, and uh, Hicks made plays on the ball at Cal. He wasn't quite as physical. Mm-hmm. But I think they wanted to find out, especially from the metal part, because that's what you're going to learn in OTAs is how quickly they pick up things. Are they going to blow coverages when they get in the seven on seven drills or the 11 on 11 drills and then make a decision of, well, I think maybe we can go with these guys, but if, if they had the least bit of doubt with either one going into camp, it wouldn't shock me if they bring back Deandre. Cause after that, you know, there's two guys that you got AJ Thomas who was a free agent, you know, undrafted free agent rookie last year. Who the hell knows what he is? Right. You know, he, he had some flashes in camp. And and then there's one other guy. Um, I don't, I didn't write his name down. He's played in the league for three or four years, but I don't want, I don't know anything about him either. So I, I agree with you. I think one of those two starters go down, potentially you're in big trouble because we just don't know about the depth. Yeah. There is one guy here uh, that I did a little research on, uh, Macon Clark, the rookie out of Tulane. Uh, you know, his I, I, I read that he he gets his hands on the balls. He had a total of nine interceptions in his college career. Um, he's always around the ball. He has some difficulty tackling, but I was going to ask you, tackling is something that can be corrected, right? If you've got well, the you're want asking to. Me, I'm going to look up his, his number from his pro day. Sure. Uh, what can be something? Uh, tackling is something that can be corrected. Uh, tackling is something that be, can be corrected, right? You can improve your tackling with good coaching. Um, it's not necessarily coaching. It's more want to. Okay. You know, and, yeah. and in other words, it's the same thing with pass protection for a running back. If you mm-hmm. want to be a good pass blocker, you can become a good pass blocker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the will and the want to. If you want to be a good tackler, you can be a good tackler, but you better be ready to stick your head in there. And there's some guys that just aren't that physical. So, and at a safety position, Especially if you got to come down in the alley, you got to be able to hit. So what? 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 What's the Macon? What's the name? Macon Clark. Uh, he's 5'11", 203 pounds, twenty three year old out of. Yeah, but I'm going to get. I'm going to get his. Um, I'm going to get arm his, length uh, and all that stuff. Number. Yeah. Um, I will say this as you're looking at, in terms of want to, the reports on him is that he loves to make that big hit. And that's what sometimes gets him into trouble because he's really wants to pulverize the ball carrier or the receiver. And that sometimes lead to bad tackling techniques. And so he misses those tackles. So he's okay. got to get, he's got to get 11, six, two Oh three. He's got uh, 31 and a half inch arms, and it comes to the bad news. He's a 4'6'2. Oh! 4'6'2. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, 
you know, and that's <laughs> why he's probably a free agent because <laughs> he right. ran four six two. Goodbye, Macon. <laughs> there, there, no, no, there's there's safeties in the league playing. That's true. And decent one. Yeah, because they got real good instincts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you got the good instincts, you play faster than your time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be what he does in camp. Right. And he's got to be he's got to be physical. Now, if he if he was a heat seeking missile and I didn't do him, so I don't know. him. If he was a heat seeking missile at Tulane and had some missed tackles because he didn't wrap, but he right. did hit. Yeah. That's not a big deal. It's concentration on wrapping. Yeah. You know, okay. so, and there are a lot of DBs that want to hit and they throw their body mm -hmm. and they miss the tackle because they don't wrap. You got to wrap. Yeah. That's the key. Especially in the national football league, you know, you're going to go up against a big running back and you just try to block them down. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, I, getting back to Elijah Hicks, uh, I, I was not impressed with his preseason play, but the Bears kept him on the roster, and he ends up starting that game 18 against the Minnesota Vikings. And in that game, he had 10 tackles, six of them solo, and forced a fumble. And he had a really good closing game, and that's a great way to finish the year because he's basically saying, hey, I, I promise you I can play in this league. So, again, tell me your thoughts about Elijah Hicks. Well, I, yeah, I, I liked him coming out. Good ball skills, a lot of range. From what I saw, decent hitter. Uh, pretty good instincts. And safety's got to be instinctive. That's like – way up top when you're looking at traits for safeties, that they're not instinctive, they can't play. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, he's got the physical tools, but because he's a late round pick, didn't get a big opportunity to play last year. He's an unknown commodity. And, right. and so, and the coaches know a lot more. They've seen him in practice. You know, and they, and they could see that the guy's got a bright future. We just don't know. Right. You know, so, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys play in camp. And, and I would not be a bit surprised, regardless if they re-sign DeAndre Houston Carson, is that I think you're going to see Williamson and Hicks play a shitload of football during the preseason. Yeah. Like better than a half a game. Mm -hmm. You know, just to find out exactly what they can do. Mm. And play on teams because as safety number three and number four, same mm -hmm. thing with corner number four and number five, you've got to be a special teams player. Yeah. I'm taking a quick look at the uh, free agent list uh, of available safeties, and yeah, the, the name, the only name that sticks out to me is uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Well, and he played well last year. He had a good year last year. He sure did. He sure and did. Oh, <coughs> well, honestly, I thought he might make some money in free mm -hmm. agency. It really surprises me that he didn't. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, sometimes you get, you make a side deal with the with the agent, and you just you know say, hey, don't worry about the off season program. 
we'll get you signed before camp starts, you know, promise that you get, and then you'll see him come July 20. I think July 26 is reporting day. So you'll see him on the 26th of July. Um, Again, I'm throwing a dart at the wall. Sure. The hell knows. Uh, One name uh, that is recognizable uh, he's played four seasons with the Chargers as a free agent now is Nasir Adderley. Uh, it was a second round pick out of Delaware. Uh, and he retired or something, didn't he? Did he? Oh, uh, yeah, I, think, a- I think he hung it up. Uh, ah, he played yeah. really good. He played really, really good for a while. I liked him coming out, uh, mm-hmm. but he did get hurt. And it just rings a bell that, that he's, he hung it up. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I vaguely remember that. You know, and uh, the Bears having that first pick in the waiver wire for the next uh, three or, or the first three, four weeks of the season is going first to be First three games of the season, fourth that goes to record. Okay. Um, so all through training camp and, you know, even right now. I mean, anybody gets waived right now, they get, they get first dibs on. Yeah. And then all through training camp. And there, and, and if you go back and, and look, last year they picked up some guys, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they could very well do it again this year. But it's funny because a lot of some of the guys they picked up, they kept for a few weeks and then got rid of. So, you know, but you just want to make a decision, see if they're better. And once you have them for a few weeks, you're going to know if they're better than some of the guys you have. Yeah. I got a question for you, uh, and this is something that I spend a lot of time talking about, thinking about. Uh, can this defensive backfield be helped with a stronger pass rush, or can the pass rushers be helped more by a by great defensive back play? Which would you either like prefer, or do you think is more important to have? I think it's more important that you get the pass rush. Because okay. no DB is going to cover a, a a wide receiver for five seconds. Yes, he's going to okay. because if it's that if, put it this way, if, it, if it's that long, that means the quarterback is being pressured and he's scrambling. And when he scrambles, then they, you know, I, I forgot the the term they use, uh, but it's like a scramble drill, and mm-hmm. then the wide receiver is basically just trying to get himself open and he's going, if the quarterback's rolling to the right on that scramble, then the receiver is going to break off his route and he's going to go to the right. And he's just going to try to, to lose the coverage. And, uh, but that becomes an instinctive thing too, that you, that you know what to do and when to do it. You know, you can't, you, you see the, the, the quarterbacks under duress and you got to know enough to, break the original concept of the, of the play and then do something on your own. Yeah. My, my concern is that with the game changing to, you know, uh, quicker passing, get rid of the ball quickly, get rid of the ball quickly that to me, in many instances, it's almost impossible to get a sack. You know, you should get your arms up and try to bat down passes because you get these three-step drops, plant that back foot, and then throw the ball. And so you need guys who can play good, great zone, read and react in the defensive backfield, or play great man and not let your guy get open. To me, that seems like there's a shift 
going on in pro football to, uh, to get be- uh, a stronger defensive backs and then worry about the pass rush second. But I know that's well, it's, it's, it's always been a chess game, and the real quick passing game is almost like a running play. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, the, they want to get five or six yards out of it. You don't have to hit the big play. So now you get you're moving the chains and, and you're you're saying or you're staying ahead of the chains. You know, now you're you're second and five or second and four versus second and nine. You know, so that part it, again it, it's just staying ahead and winning on the down distance situations, you know, during the game. And so you don't the the last thing you wanna do is constantly being third and eight, third and nine, mm-hmm. because then it, it all of the advantage goes to the defense. Okay, good stuff. Um, one other question about the defensive backfield. I have a feeling that the most valuable thing for this defensive backfield is going to be the two linebackers that were acquired, Tremaine Edmonds and um, – uh, oh, now I'm blanking on the other guy's name um, – uh, that Edwards. we cite Edwards from Philadelphia Eagles, particularly Edmonds, uh, because of how he can roam that middle of the field and act as a third safety. Are you with me there that this could be, you know, a, a great addition and help for the defensive backfield, particularly Edmonds? He probably, well, not probably does. He gives, especially in zone, the best center of the field short center of the field coverage they've had since Erlacher. Mm-hmm. And he's got that type of coverage ability, but he can also play man to man pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. And because of his height and his length, you know, don't be surprised to see, you know, somebody's trying to throw over him and he's back 15, 18 yards and he just jumps up and knocks it down. That's the advantage of having him playing. And and both of these guys, Edwards too. Edwards very good in coverage, especially in the short yeah. zones, short man-to-man. And it, if you've got two guys who can cover, two linebackers who can cover, then you don't necessarily have to go to a dime situation at six DBs. Okay? Very seldom are you going to see three linebackers on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a perfect world, he wants to be probably 85% nickel. And nickel's really becoming your base defense mm. in the yeah. league. Great stuff. All right, let's get to some of the questions that I've collected during the show. Uh, let me start uh, here. Sam Rush is talking about, you know, we were talking about the commanders, but he says, I want to trade for defensive end Montez Sweat. I can't see how Washington commanders can pay a third defensive lineman 20 plus million when they also have a wide receiver making 20 plus million. It's, it's an interesting concept, but one of the things that I read that works against the commanders trading away Montez Sweat is that Ron Rivera is in a must win win now year. And so he probably is not going to get rid of any of the talent that he has <laughs> because he's got a, a this is a prove it year for for Iran. Yeah, it's like let, let the next group worry about it. And you know, you're going to have new ownership. New ownership might change not only the head coach but the front office. Mm-hmm. And that's 
really Ron's front office. He put mm-hmm. that together. So it it is an interesting concept. I think that come trade deadline, but not before then, one of those two DEs could get moved so they get something. Uh, they're both coming out of contract. They're both going to deserve – well, not they're both. One of them is going to deserve – Montez Sweat is going to deserve some money. Who the hell knows with Chase Young? Until we see Chase Young perform, you don't know what he's going to be worth. So um, I think the whole situation is just really interesting, especially because new ownership's coming in there mm-hmm. and they're paying a bunch of money for this team. You know, so I don't know where Ron stands on his contract. If he's only got like one year left, then, you know, they're not going to worry about pulling the plug on him. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the same thing with the front office. Yeah. He, you know, with the new ownership coming in, uh, I, I got to believe that he, he this is a win year now for Ron and he he. And I don't know. I, I love Ron a lot. Uh, Renewable says Chico will be unemployed, win or not, a new ownership, new ways, and new personnel. And that, that could very well be I, true. I, I don't know if he'll be – if they win, I don't, know, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, he may, but um, part of it's going to be Ron getting to know the new ownership mm-hmm. and them getting to know Ron. Mm-hmm. And – I know Ron. He's a friend of mine, and he's a very likable guy. Yes, he so is. I can see the guys taking over the team, really falling into his corner. But mm-hmm. bottom line is going to be wins and losses with this group. And if they're going to finish with five or six wins, then they're going to say, you know, let's pull the plug and we're going to do it our way. Uh, you know, if they're challenging for a playoff spot, uh, then it's a different story. You know, he, he might get another year after this year. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to Notorious. My man Notorious says, are we still thin at wide receiver? Because if Mooney can't make a full recovery and Claypool ends up being a non-factor, all we have then is DJ, the rookie Tyler Scott, the – veteran Pettis, and, of course, the tight ends. What's your feeling on the depth at wide receiver? I think it's fine. I think it, it, it's just where people were worrying too much if Mooney can't make it back. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that serious an injury. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he had a, you know, a severe ankle sprain, but how many receivers haven't come back from an ankle sprain? Uh, and I fully expect uh, Chase to be fine. And I think had the difference between OTAs and the regular season. Had this been camp, Mooney probably would have been out there a little bit. Mm. If this has been camp, Chase probably would have been out there a little bit, even though he had some some soft tissue soreness or whatever. Again, right. they 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 err to the side of caution because they don't want something minor to become something nagging mm-hmm. okay i um you know i i gotta i gotta say this every team in the national football league 
has depth problems at, at wide receiver. I won't say every team, but I would say most of the team, if you're going to lose, like like the question says, if your number two receiver doesn't pan out in Claypool and a number three receiver, however you want to listen in the depth chart, he doesn't come back fully because of injury issues. A- a- any team that loses your two and three wide receivers is going to have a depth problem, right? Isn't that so? You know, I'll be honest. I think the wide receiver position has got pretty darn good depth. There's some guys the NFL? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, the whole group. Uh, EQ's never going to catch 60 balls a year, but he's going to get you out of games, and he helps you in other ways. Um, you know, Tyler Scott's an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie. He's not, he's not tall. Actually, he's He's put together, if you see the guy. I mean, he's really built for a guy who's like five, nine and a half and only 180 pounds, but he's he's strong. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee he's a lot faster than what he ran at the combine. Because when you watch him on tape, when he gets behind you, it's all over. It's gone, huh? <laughs> yeah, he is fast, fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's, like I said, I think it's a very, very interesting group. I think that it's as deep as it's been in years. Um, I'm not <laughs> concerned about the injuries. They still got five weeks to go before they even go to training camp. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's a long time, you know, to improve on your health situation. It's a lot better than the 2017 Chicago Bears that had no wide receivers who caught two touchdowns or more. And a bunch of receivers like Kendall Wright and uh, Dontre Inman who uh, all caught one touchdown pass. And that was well, a- yeah, I mean that was a that was a, a tough group. But I, you know, a- one thing too is you're going to see a lot of. 12 personnel, meaning two wide receivers, two tight ends, one running back this year, because they're going to find a way to get Tanyan on the field too. Tanyan's almost like a big wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very average blocker. He will block, but, you know, he, he's, he's not going to block like Komet, not even close to what Komet can do. But you're going to find situations. This guy caught over 50 balls last year at Green Bay. He, there's going to be situations where him and Komet are going to be on the field and two receivers, or, you know, Komet could be sitting and it could be tying in playing in the slot and they got, you know, four guys out wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get to, uh, <laughs> got a non-football question here. Christian Mercado says, Greg, what's your favorite restaurant in Buffalo? <laughs> you know, I haven't been back since COVID, and there's some new ones. There, I have one that was my favorite, and the 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 owner dropped dead, and it was over in the um, oh. he died, like dropped dead at work, and uh-huh. they they had superb. It looked like a corner dive. Mm-hmm. When you went in there, you had to wait an hour to get a table because they wouldn't take reservations. And I'll tell you a story. So I'm in there one night with my 
my wife, my wife at that time. And one of the congressmen from the area comes in. His name mm-hmm. was John LaFalse. So I said to my wife, I said, if this son of a bitch doesn't wait for a table, I'm never coming here again. And he <laughs> waited like everybody else. <laughs> ah, I and I like that. That that made me feel good, but the food was excellent. Um, but what's the best now? You know, you can ask my daughters, because they, they've been, I mean, you know how the restaurant business is. What's oh, good yeah. today could be terrible tomorrow. And and like I said, I'd been there the last time I was in Buffalo was out to dinner and, and there, we went to this place called in South Buffalo called the uh, Blackthorn, which I think has mm-hmm. pretty good food. Uh, but it's a, it's a neighborhood saloon. Um, that was November, 2019. Cause then, you know, I was living in DC for the XFL and then COVID hit and I haven't been in Buffalo since my kids have come here. Okay. Well, uh, that's uh, one of your assignments this weekend is ask your daughters about a, your, one of the good restaurants in Buffalo. We'll share that on Monday when we have our guest Eric at home. Uh, he might have a, a, a pick or two. I know he's trying. Well, I know there's a billion wing places I could give you all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there, there's there's probably 25 good wing places, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a bad plate full of wings. Mm. All right, next question. Usama wants to know, what are your thoughts about Jordan Love? Do you, uh, is, this, is this a quarterback that the Bears should be concerned with, or do you anticipate he's going to have growing pains? Do you anticipate that he's going to end up being a uh, average or better than average quarterback? I know he's not going to be a superstar this week. Please, God, no, you're not going to do that to us again. <laughs> I'm going to give the honest answer. Who the uh-huh. hell knows? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> really? I mean, you know, he hasn't played very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so now he's going to get his opportunity to play. So, you know, we'll find out in short order. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. We'll know the first week of the season. Yeah. Um, he's obviously got talent. I did not, personally, I did not see him as a first-round pick. I'm not so sure I saw him as a second-round pick when they took him. Uh, he had the arm talent. He had the athleticism. And I probably liked the athleticism. But I just didn't see, you know, the, the all-around talent. And, 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 you know, you could say the same thing. The Colts took Richardson from, from Florida. Mm-hmm. As a pure passer, you know, Richardson wasn't really – a first round quarterback, but when you look at the whole thing and, and, and you compare him to guys who came out before him, one being Lamar Jackson, the other being Josh Allen, who really struggled with, with um, completion percentage in college, they've turned out to be pretty damn good quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm. So, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, what scheme you're playing in and who's coaching you. Mm-hmm. And if you get to the right place, like Josh Allen got to the right place and, and Brian Dable was able to school him for his first four years in the league. Um, I think if that happens, you know, some of these guys could be great. Now, whether the guy up in Green Bay, Jordan Love is in the right place. I, I don't know. You know, that that was – he's still going to be living under the aura of 
Rogers. Oh yeah. And going to be compared. That's going to be tough. Well, and it's not only aura of Rogers, but it's also those Green Bay Packers fans who are, you know, have such an, an entitled uh, viewpoint about their team that they should be. The, uh, they're called. They call themselves Title Town USA, you yeah, know. And that. and so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the young man. And then the other thing is, I, I agree with you. I, I I didn't see him as a first round draft pick, but I was down there in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and the love that was coming from the guys from the NFL Network and some of the people I talked in the stand. I was like, really? This guy's going to be a first rounder? And I guess he, he, uh, well, he definitely proved me wrong. Uh, let's stay on the topic of quarterbacks. J2K wants to know your thoughts on the Bears' backup quarterback, PJ Walker, because he is one injury away from leading this team. Your thoughts? You know, uh, well, that's a guy I know pretty well. Um, we seriously thought about, he, you know, played in the XFL. We seriously thought about taking him, but Pep wanted a bigger guy. He's not six feet tall. Mm. Um, I saw him that previous summer in the Colts camp. And, you know, I was there for two days. Looked really good. And that's right when Luck, I was there with, like, Luck had not retired yet, but he wasn't practicing. Mm. And so... PJ was getting a lot of snaps and he played pretty good. Um, he can scramble. Now he can't scramble like fields can scramble. Uh, he's got a decent arm, but what happened to him is then he goes to the Houston team in the XFL and he gets in a quick passing game and he was outstanding mm -hmm. and he built up, you know, he got playtime that he needed because he never, you know, he played games for the Colts, but never got the playtime that he needed. And then, you know, he played some last year for Carolina and wasn't all that bad. Now, is he going to lead you to a playoff? No. But what you want from a backup, number one, is get you out of the game. Now, if he's got to be the long-term answer because your quarterback's out for four weeks or something, you know, I, I don't know if I can answer that. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be playing in a new scheme. I think we got to, you know, it's like Jordan Love. You got to wait and see. But I, I, I do like his mental makeup. He's mentally tough. He's instinctive. Uh, he doesn't have a cannon but his arm is good enough. You think there's any chance that he doesn't make the team? According to Sam Rush, he says that Adam Hogue spoke poorly about Walker recently and said that he may not even make the team. That see how much seem... money they gave him? <laughs> and who's going to make it over him? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't get that. You know, you know, hey, I like Adam, but he's got some takes sometimes that are so <laughs> off the wall. And again, he's reacting to what he sees in OTAs, which is the first few weeks of this guy's, what's the word I want? Um, indoctrination into indoctrination the of a system that he's never played in before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> you got to take the first step before you take the second step, and he mm -hmm. and 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 he's waiting. You know, again, he's oh, it's a play. You know, it's a playoff game, and he's got to be great. Doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. 
Yeah. Um, I, again, I feel the same way about Adam Hogue as you do. I love him. I think he's a good reporter. But, yeah, lately he's had some weird takes on stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Sam says he agrees with you. All right. We got a couple more questions, and we'll get out of here. Uh, let's go to uh, King Bookaworld asked about, do you think it's fair that some folks are giving Poe so much shit for the Claypool trade when people had no idea that we'd have the 32nd pick in the NFL draft? I'm going to I'm gonna twist this question around slightly. I'm looking at the 2023 draft results, and the receivers that were picked after that 32nd pick, Jonathan Mingle from Ole Miss – who is a big question mark. He's taken – Mingo is a talent pick, you know, mm -hmm. raw talent. He wasn't productive, you know, and, and he fit the mold of what they wanted was a big receiver, but he hasn't – he doesn't have any skins on the wall. Okay. Another guy, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Jaden Reed is a smaller receiver. He's a good punt returner. He's a local kid. Mm -hmm. You know, Chicago kid. Um, never going to be, I don't think he'll ever be a starter in the National Football League. Could, he could be a starting punt return, but not, mm -hmm. not a starting receiver. Rasheed Rice from SMU. Um, really good in that offense at, at SMU. He's got sure hands, average speed. He ran 4.52. Four five one, uh, not a burner. You know, one thing about the Bears' receiving core, mm -hmm. their first six, mm -hmm. maybe even their first seven, are all sub four five. And three have run in the four threes. It's mm -hmm. a fast, fast group. Yep. None of those receivers that I had mentioned, those three guys picked in the second round. What I prefer over Chase Claypool. I'm well, sorry. I get it. You know, I, I wrote this. Last week, as an answer to, you know, the so-called bears are disenchanted, you know, and going back to the conversation I had with Ryan Poles earlier in the spring, mm -hmm. and he said, I know there's people that don't like the trade. I get it. Because, but we also knew when we made the trade that it was going to be this year that we'd see the fruits of the trade. Mm -hmm. Not last year. But then this was the key thing. If I had to do it over, it would take me five seconds to say yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And he was very emphatic about that. All right. I love that. All right. So our final question here from Kenny. Does Greg have an opinion on the Lions' new helmets? And I'll help you here, Greg. This is the Lions I don't even know if I've seen them. Oh, that? <laughs> That's the lion's new helmet. <laughs> I don't know if I like it. I guess I you guys, hate it. I, awesome. I, I'm not gonna say I hate it, but I don't know if I like it. Whoa! I, what I, happened here? There we uh, go. Uh, yeah, I, I. No comment. I, right now, my <laughs> initial reaction is I don't like it, but I, I you know. I don't like the way the lion looks. Tell yeah, you it looks like it was drawn by by a third grader. Well, and also too long. Too you know? long? And then those two vertical stripes? I'm not sure what that means. Uh, uh, I don't know either. 
I mean, like, you know, Buffalo had the standing Buffalo for years and years and years, and then they went to the charging Buffalo, and the charging Buffalo really looks good, especially mm-hmm. when you put it next to the standing uh, Buffalo. But this thing looks like a stretched-out picture of a lion on a poor drawing. Yeah, it does. You're <laughs> I love I love the fact that they're going to ruin their season and they're going to have ugly helmets. Can, can you imagine players saying, I don't want to wear this fucking thing? <laughs> exactly. No wonder they don't want to be on hard knocks. Oh, speaking of hard knocks, I want your opinion on that. Uh, your, your good friend, Mike Florio. Now, the, the only thing, Florio's the guy who said it, right? Yes. <laughs> Next week, they'll probably announce the Bears are on hard knocks. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> you know, because Florio is so wrong about everything. <laughs> Last week, he has a thing. Now, you know, I'm on, I'm on the board of the East-West game. Uh-huh. So he has a thing a couple days ago that the league was trying to make a point by moving the East-West out of Vegas because of gambling. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, Mike? The league had absolutely nothing to do with it. The league has no control over the East-West game or where it's played. Next, If he would have done a, even one minute worth of research, he would have seen that the Super Bowl is in Vegas next year. There you go. And the East-West game would have had to have been moved up at least a couple of weeks, lost the practice facilities to do it, and and – they weren't going to do that. They want the game scheduled where it is scheduled, which is, you know, like a week and two days, you know, on a Thursday. Right. Ten days before the Super Bowl, 11 days before the Super Bowl. And Jerry Jones really said, hey, we want it. We'll take it. But, you know, Mike, had a, he had to just make something up. When he had no clue, and Eric Galco, who runs the game, Galco wrote him a long thing. And then I said something, you know, on Twitter, just a couple of sentences like, wrong. You know. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. You know, and, you know, just, but he does that all the time. He just makes up shit to get clicks. He's, you know, that it's, it's all about getting clicks. Yes. Yeah, you know, he, he fashions himself as this insider and so much. He's not about, an insider. People in the league office can't stand him. Yeah. It's so much of what he offers is pure speculation or stuff like he makes There's up. There's so much untruth. You know, yeah. if, he, if he put out stuff that was true, mm-hmm. that'd be one thing. But a lot of it is just totally fictitious. Mm. You know, and it's, it would be. I think he's bad for thing. business myself, but. Interesting. And it would be such an easy thing for him to pick up the phone and call Eric Galco and, and, and learn from Eric, you know, why the move to, to uh, Texas. So I, I don't understand the, the reporting there other than it's lazy and, and irresponsible. Well, no, right. he's been on this gambling thing. What it is, he's just he's on that gambling narrative. He's yes. been on it for like three weeks. And most of the time he's wrong. Yeah, indeed. All right. I apologize to those of you whose questions we did not get to, but well, that's, we can get one uh, or two more if you want. I, it's all up right. To you. Um, I got I got another five minutes here, so let's see. Let me um, 
let me get the who was it that I just saw here that had a good one. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, there it is. Mr. Inglewood says, Greg, how do you feel about George Pickens now? This is the wide receiver from Purdue. I've always thought that George Pickens is a talent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What George Pickens is also is an asshole. <laughs> and he demonstrated that as a rookie. He's, a, he's almost like brown all over again mm-hmm. at the same team. Maybe not as bad, but He's a selfish, I, me, my player, diva. And I think that'll show itself just like it did with Brown, you know, in Pittsburgh. You're going to be quiet a little bit when you're a rookie, but then you're, you're going to, you know, you get a little confidence, you get a little production, and then all of a sudden the a-hole comes out in you. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out now. You know, I, I I had two different teams tell me they wouldn't have touched him, and and loved his talent, loved mm-hmm. his talent, but they didn't want him anywhere near the locker room. Yeah, interesting. By the way, Sam gives you a compliment. He says this is why we have so much respect for you, Greg. You are a straight shooter. All right, the final question that I have is, uh, gosh, I lost it, but the question was, uh, which of the Bears' day three uh, draft picks do you think is going to be a sleeper? I'll say these names again. Drafted with the 115th pick overall, Roshan Johnson, 133. Tyler Scott, the receiver out of Cincinnati, at 148. Noel Sewell, the linebacker out of Oregon, at 165. Terrell Smith, the cornerback out of Minnesota. I already got my answer. All right, go for it. Johnson, Scott, and and, uh, uh, Terrell Smith. I think all three of them are going to have an impact. I, Not necessarily be start. Johnson probably end up being a starter. Not maybe not this year, mm-hmm. but at some point. And the corner wouldn't shock me if Smith becomes a starter down the road. And I think. Uh, Scott down the road could be probably be a third receiver, be a slot receiver. So which of these day three players you think we will see a visible impact in 2023? Scott and Roshan Johnson. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think Roshan Johnson, maybe by the middle of the season, could be getting the majority of carries. But uh, that's to be seen. Another compliment your way from Frank. I absolutely love how Gabe is so authentic with his opinions of the NFL players and their personalities versus talent. That is an important part of scouting. you got to know the type of person you're going to be investing millions of dollars in. Greg, another great show. Are you looking forward to talking to your buddy Eric at home Monday? Yeah. Yeah. That should be fun. I haven't talked to Eric. Uh, Well, he asked, he threw a rumor at me like a week or so ago. Huh? Uh, and one was, you know, the, the coach of the Vegas team in the XFL, um, former NFL player, hung it up after one year, got let go. They never exactly said what it was. And he said, there's a people would think Pep's going to be the head coach. 
And I said, well, I don't know, but I can find out. So I said, you know, so I sent Pep a text. I said, and he's, you know, he's still under contract in Houston. I said, the rumor has it that you're going to be the, the head coach of the Vegas team in the XFL next year. And it didn't take Pep three seconds to send back a reply that said, not true. <laughs> yeah, he's got an offensive coordinator position uh, with uh, the Texans, right? Is that where he's well, at? Well, he's getting paid for it. He's not there. Oh, that's right. He, he that, he's, he's, I think he's got two years left on his contract. He's got okay. a, Pep's got a son who's going into his junior year in one of the suburban Houston schools. Okay. He's already got about a half a dozen power five level offers as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the best being probably the biggest name being uh, Texas A&M, which mm-hmm. is, you know, an hour and a half drive from Houston. Uh, Vanderbilt's in there. Uh, Pep's. Alma mater's in there, Howard University. I forgot all. There's, he's probably got like eight total offers going into his junior year with five being or six being power five schools. Hmm. So, uh, and he's not a big, he's 5'11", 5'11 and a half. He'll probably still grow a little bit, but he's got a real strong arm. He's real, real athletic. But anyway, I think Pep, as long as he's getting paid this year, he wants to enjoy watching it while well, helping his son develop and yeah. watching his son develop. That's the, which the, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to do had he been coaching yeah. somewhere. Indeed, most important coaching job in anyone's life is coaching your kids. Um, by the way, and this is his baby. Show. This is his youngest too. So yeah, invite him on the show. We we'd love to talk football with him. I probably um, should do that. I never. That's a good idea. I have to oh, get. Oh, look at that! I have a good idea. Finally, thank you. <laughs> Fun show, everyone. And uh, as Mark says, awesome show. Thank you very much, and thank you all for joining us live. You, you're a big part of the show. Your questions and interaction, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, Greg and I will be back Monday uh, at 11 a.m. Central is our target time to to talk football with Eric at home. Uh, the lead uh, sports writer, NFL uh, draft writer for Yahoo Sports. I no, he's not. He's with NFL.com now. That's right. He's at NFL.com. Come on. Get, get your story straight. <laughs> See, I got one good idea and then one misfact. <laughs> no, he, he switched right going into the season last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Indeed. We had him on our draft show, uh, and I, so I, I definitely knew he was with no, Eric, number one, he's, he's very knowledgeable. And number two, he's a great guy. He's a great guy and, and great on television. When we had him on our show last uh, a few months ago, I told him, you should be on that set for Good Morning Football along with those guys. I mean, uh, he, he's, he's a good TV guy. I, he just hasn't had the opportunities. You know, he's, he's very knowledgeable. I, you know, I was kind of worried that, you know, they had some cutbacks in the media area of NFL.com. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and some people got, and a couple of good writers got cut. And yes, indeed. I, you know, I was sort of scared for him because, mm-hmm. you know, when the rumors came out that they were going to cut back and, and because he was the new kid, I thought he might be in it, but now he was safe and he does a great job. He really does. 
I'm looking forward to Monday. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, Bardon Hockey Talk is at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, it's live, and all of these shows are available on demand, on audio, and here on YouTube. So take care, everybody. Bye, Greg. See you later.